Do you feel stuck in life right now? I came across an incredible stat recently that 80% of Americans right now feel stuck. This is how they describe their life. If that's you, and even if it's not, I want you to listen to today's episode. I'm joined by Jim Kyles. Jim is the pastor of Anchor Bend Church in Texas. He's also a coach, he's a counselor, and he's an entrepreneur. And Jim is a business guy just like you. He just released a new book called Unstuck and Unstoppable. Shake off your past, find your purpose, and get on with your life. Guys, I got a copy of the book. I've been reading it, and I got to tell you, it's incredible. The message is so strong because no matter where you feel you are in life right now, you probably can identify one area where you're stuck. It doesn't have to be you're stuck in every area of life, and if you are, you'll definitely benefit from this episode, but even if there's one area, a lot of times, and what we talk about on the show is you may be crushing it in business, but you're struggling in your marriage, or maybe you're doing really well as a father, but work is struggling. Regardless of where your struggle is or where you're stuck, this episode is gonna serve you. Jim has incredible insight, such a man of wisdom, and I was really honored to have this conversation with him, and I'm privileged to bring it to you. So guys, don't miss this one. I want you to get equipped with the tools that Jim shares on today's show. Let's get into it. This is Raising the Standard, Leadership, Mindset, and Development for the Ambitious Christian Man. Identify, unlock, and access spiritual secrets and strategies grounded in biblical truth so you can run your race and maximize your impact and influence. It's time to lead yourself, your family, and your world. Let's get after it. Okay, so I am joined by Jim Kyles, who is the author of a brand new book. Guys, it's a powerful message. I wanted to have Jim come on the platform here to share this with you. It's called Unstuck and Unstoppable. I'm holding the book in my hand if you're watching the video. If you're not, I want you to go put this in your cart on Amazon. We'll give you the details of where to get it. Jim, I'm so glad you could join us today. Welcome to the program. Hey, thank you, Josh. It is so good to be here with you. Hey, and I know you're promoting my book, but I've got your book in my <laughs> hand because the truth is I really stalked you because of the powerful truths that are in your book. So, man, it is a privilege to be here on your program and to be talking to your listeners. Thanks for having me here today. Amazing. You know, I just love what the Lord does with Kingdom Connections. I mean, I'm all about connections. I mean, we found each other on social media. And here we are today talking about this, releasing this message, and I'm just excited for what the future holds. So let's jump in because you are a pastor, you're also an author, and this book is fairly new. So tell me a little bit about the origin story of who the book is for and why you wrote it. And then I have a bunch of stuff I want to get into because it's such a powerful message. Yeah, well, that's a great question. And you know, it's so funny, I didn't intend to write a book. Uh, I was just stuck. I know, like most people, that after the pandemic, uh, March of 2020, uh, what do you do when you're the person that's supposed to give hope, but you don't feel hope? <laughs> what do you do when you're supposed to help people get unstuck and you feel stuck? And it was in July of 2020, and we, we were all, uh, you know, social distancing. We were at the house, and as you said, I'm a pastor, so uh, our faith community went from on-site to online. I mean, just lots of changes. 
And I was just crying out to God. It was really a pity party. Uh, but I was reading my one-year Bible, and it was fascinating how that, you know, if, if you don't listen or read your one-year Bible, I just want to encourage you to do it. You get a little bit of New Testament, Old Testament, Psalms, Proverbs. Well, I do it every single day. I happen to come across Acts chapter 27 and 28. And this is the story of Paul, who was shipwrecked on the island of Malta. And it's a fascinating story, but the whole theme of being shipwrecked, stuck, stranded, here I am, I'm reading it, and on Acts chapter 28, verse 10, it says, and when they were ready, and those four words stood out to me, because here we have a man who is shipwrecked, of course he's a prisoner, but God clearly says through his word that when they were ready, the people provided for them, and they set sail. And what I felt the Lord just speak to me is, being stuck is not passive, and it doesn't mean that you're stranded. And so here we have Paul who was shipwrecked on the island and in the middle of being you know, bitten by a viper, talked about, lied on. We see revival break out, healing take place. And what we see is that when he had fulfilled God's purpose, God provided a way for him to get out. And it just spoke to me. And so what I began to do was just go on a journey and try to discover, hey, how did Paul a man who has been faced with so many struggles and trials, how did he not only get unstuck, but become unstoppable? And so that was the journey. And then found some keys that I feel were revelatory, began to preach it, share it, resonated with people. And then that's where the book came out of. That's incredible what you just shared. Because number one, you got the spiritual discipline of reading your word every day. But there's so many nuanced things within scripture that we have to catch, and we can't just read it like any other book. And so I want you just to take me into that a little bit more because that's an incredible, powerful secret that we just can't glaze over that because you said when they were ready. So are you telling me that there was a readiness within Paul that he had to come to within himself before he can move on to the next point? Can you just break that down for me a little bit? You know, that's a, it's a great question because the truth is what, what we see in what you're talking about, there's the Logos Word of God, which is the written, but then there's the Rhema. And the Rhema is, you know, the Bible talks about it, the, the Word of God is alive, it's active, it's sharper than a double-edged sword, dividing soul and spirit. And so what we're seeing is as we're reading it, His Word, not only are we reading His Word, but His Word starts to read us. And that, that rhema comes out, and, and to say theologically, wow, that's exactly what the Greek or the Hebrew or whatever, no, no, it's just the fact that God is speaking to you. And what it did was it set me on a journey to say, hey, I'm not a victim. In other words, it's not as much what happens to me as much as what happens in me. And then all throughout the scriptures, you go back and you look at Paul's life, we see it clearly. I mean, he's shipwrecked, he's, he's stoned, he's beaten to death, left for dead, he's danger in the city, danger in the field, danger with the Jews, danger with... I mean, his life was anything but easy. So we can't say that because Paul had an easy life, he never got stuck. No, no, he had a difficult life. But because of what happened within him, he was able to not stay stuck because of what God had done and was doing in and through his life. And that's the fascinating journey. You know, we talk about in the book specifically, uh, and you do too, which is what I found so fascinating is that we hit most of the same things in different ways, but Paul understood his identity, who he was in Christ. Number two, he understood his purpose, what his assignment was right now. And, you know, there's a, a massive, for me, concern of this movement. You know, you're, you're a business guy, and I know our listeners are businessmen, and 
uh, maybe some women as well. There's a whole move of the great resignation. Well, that's okay for some people. My caution is, what's the motive? If it's because I just don't like what I do, well, there's a lot of times your purpose or your assignment is painful. Doesn't mean I'm always going to like it or love it. I need to resign because I believe God is moving me on, not just because I'm chasing some mirage or uh, fantasy that I think is going to make me more fulfilled. So your purpose, what your assignment is right now, regardless of how painful it is. Then the third thing is vision. Where am I going? The future of what God has for me. And then the last one is paradigm, your subconscious pattern of thought. So we're going to break those down, but you just brought something up because we do live in a day right now, Jim, where everyone's chasing something, right? It's the marketing that comes at us. It's messages 24 um, seven, always telling us we can have something better. We can have something quicker. We can upgrade, we can up level. Um, but you just mentioned, you know, part of that process is part of God's process is what you're explaining is that there's some pain in it. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, the man. Well, I, I have a twofold question. Number one, I want to know what it looks like um, when a man is stuck, you know, specifically for guys, like what are the most common pitfalls of where they get stuck? And I can save the second part, but I want to talk about, you know, sometimes there is some pain in the process and, and how do we discern if we need to get up and go, or if we're supposed to stay in that season. And there's something saying like with the Lord saying, okay, I want you to walk through this because you're becoming something through this process. Yeah. Well, one of the greatest indicators of someone feeling stuck is whenever you begin to say things like, my marriage is hopeless. Well, your marriage is stuck. You know, my finances are, they'll never get better. So what you're saying is no matter how much money you make, it's like, I'll never get debt free. My health will never get better. So those are the areas whenever I'm coaching someone, you, you, you'll find yourself in that area because most of the time it's not someone's entire life that's stuck. What we find are there are certain areas of our life, and if you'll address the ones that's the most stuck, that'll make the greatest impact. Then it's just a lifetime of finding which area am I stuck or feeling stuck in or hopeless uh, or a cycle of sabotage. So I find myself in a repetitive cycle of sabotage. A lot of times that happens in broken relationships. For, for our audience here, when men, here's what I've seen, and I'm sure you could attest to this, when I'm coaching a man who tends to leave his place of employment every two to three years. There's no depth of consistency. There's no longevity or history. What I tend to find is there is something on the inside of that person that number one is either chasing something that is a mirage, or number two, they're sabotaging their depth of growth and experience because there's a trauma from the past. And a lot of times you'll have this from uh, a negative experience, a trauma of authority figures. And so their boss represents that authority figure that hurt them as a child. And so their inner child shows up in these moments where they get triggered. We talk about in chapter 11 is the trauma triggers. And so then it's like, well, they're the problem. This is what I've always realized. Nobody's ever the problem on the outside because nobody can ever trigger you unless that trigger sits within you. And so that's why you could have somebody who has never drank, never smoked, look at beer and cigarettes on a table and it does nothing to them. But yet you put an alcoholic or someone who is a smoker and they're sitting there, they're going to be fiending the whole time. Well, what's the difference? It's the history of that person that draws it to the addiction or the method of coping. Yeah. Wow. We're getting really deep, Jim, because this, <laughs> this is like an inner healing conversation because- yeah. 
you know, what you're doing is you're going right to the root of it, right? We can play superficially. We can look at the branches and we can look at the leaves and say, hey, what's this one little hack or habit I got to install in my life? But if you want lasting change, I mean, you're really going to the, the heart of it right now. Um, tell me about a few ways. I mean, you're, you're a coach, you're a pastor, you're, you're talking to guys, you're, you know, you have a congregation to look out for. What are, you know, the top two to three ways that guys are self-sabotaging or how to know, like how our listeners can identify how this trauma might be there? Like you gave us one already, you know, if moving from job to job, what are some other common threads that you see pop up that, that are indicators? Man, that's something wrong. Such a great question. And it's, it's, if you're aware of it, then you can go and deal with it. And here, here's the best way now. And I, and I will tell you, I know I don't mean to get so deep, but, but I, 10 years of counseling. It's so funny, you know, as a pastor, I even tell my church, I tell Hey, listen, I go to counseling every single week. It's Thursdays at one o'clock. I'm a better person because of it. And every week I hate it, you know, because you got to dig deep. But when you're looking at trauma and you're looking at pain that shows up from the past into the present, it is almost always escalation that is the identifier. So in other words, if I'm in a conversation and I go from one to 10 in that moment, that is, I've been triggered. Here's what's interesting with that, is that whatever, whether it was the way, and, and for me, mine, I have a, one of my triggers is disrespect. And so I can go from zero to 10, just right off the charts, um, and, and it not be warranted because it's just a childish act, not intentional dishonor. You know, as men, we probably have found ourselves in that. But what has happened is that inner child that felt the trauma from the past has just showed up into the presence, their present time. There is no um, chronos time to the subconscious. So in other words, when, when you get triggered, that six-year-old boy who was traumatized by an authoritarian figure or whatever situation it was just showed up in the present, which is why you'll hear people say, "Why, wow, that was so childish. And the answer is you're correct because that inner child just showed up and began to perform for the present audience. And so that's always an indicator. Anytime I should never go from zero to 10 and, and really the litmus is five and above 10 is like, man, I've just, I just totally snapped. But if you are triggered five and above, there's something there, you know, it's like, wow, okay, I need to go back to that. And then here's what you do when you find yourself triggered. And, and I still to this day will find myself triggered. Now, the healthier I am, the less of an accelerated trigger, like it doesn't happen in a second. And I don't typically go to 10. So now it takes a little while. Okay. Yep. I'm at about a five or a six. I recognize it, write it down. Here's what I'm asking. What am I feeling right now? That's causing me to react the way I'm reacting. And then the second thing is, when was the first time I felt this feeling? Now, I know, look, you and I, I we're talking to guys, and they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> feelings? Like, you're asking me to start feeling stuff? And I just want you to know this. Yes, we are, because God gave us feelings. Now, we don't allow feelings to direct our life, but feelings are part of the creation that God made us with. And if you shut your emotions down and your feelings down, a lot of times that has been done because of past pain. You were let down, your hopes were up. And if you're like me, I, I write about it in the book. There was a moment where I got my hopes up and I, I, God let me down. And I said, I will never get my hopes up again. 
And I decided in that moment to take utter control of my life. Nobody's going to control it but me. But the problem, and God really corrected me, was that when you shut down emotionally so you can't feel the depth of pain, you'll never experience the greatness of joy. And the Bible clearly says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. So when you shut your emotions down, you literally shut down the strength of God to help you fight the good fight of faith. That was so good. So we need to we need to pause here for a minute and just I gotta ask the guys that are listening. Um, we need to develop this. We need to do a quick scan and some self awareness to say, where am I not showing up? Where am I getting triggered? Can I identify an area in my life right now where I go five and above? I'm gonna do that myself. That's such a great tool. That's awesome, Jim. Um, couple couple things I heard you say. So the other thing. I want to thank you for just sharing. I mean, you're you're being transparent and it's also vulnerable. It's incredible self-awareness because you just said that you have a counselor and so you have a coach. And you know, we say this all the time. Coaches have coaches. If they don't, I would be really leery about working with someone like that. And even before we started this, and this is uh the gentleman, Chris Hodges, Pastor Chris Hodges, who wrote the forward to the book. You said he's your pastor. So you come on here as a pastor and you can, first of all, tell me who your pastor is, that you're a man under submission, under authority. And at the same time, you also have a coach. So guys, there's a lot of learnings we can take away from this right now. Um, but the other thing you touched on for guys that are listening, that don't show their emotion, I just want to add on to this because I have a whole section of my book dedicated to this, that Jesus shows emotion. And for anyone listening, that's such a, it's such an old paradigm, right? It's an old worldview to say, hey, I can't tell anyone how I feel, or I can't even be in touch with my feelings. Right now, I mean, I am thankful there's a movement happening um, within work, within business, within personal development, where um, there is a focus on empathy, EQ, and self-awareness. And I can tell you right now that the number one determinant of success is your EQ, the way you can be in touch with your own feelings, self-awareness, self-regulation, and the way that you can read a room and talk and build trust and establish rapport with others. So this is so true. Uh, so good. Well, it's it's absolutely necessary, too. If we're going to be followers of Jesus, if we're going to lead our families, if we're going to lead the organizations, I'm thinking of people that have employees and their managers. And the truth is, they you, you cannot take them where you've never been. And that was one of the reasons why 10 years ago I started counseling. It's how can I help people experience freedom if I'm still not free myself? And uh, man, so powerful, so, so good. Yeah, so I gotta ask you, um, I need to hear your answer on this because we come to Jesus. So I'm assuming everyone that's listening to the show right now, um, you either stumbled on us, we're glad you're here, or you're already a believer, right? So tell me how someone, because we have this belief that if I come to Jesus, everything is made new, everything's better immediately, right there on the spot. But we're talking about cycles, we're talking about patterns, we're talking about the effects of stuff from when we were a child. Um, break that down for us. Well, it's so fascinating. I literally just wrote a message called Breaking the Cycle of Self-Sabotage. And part of what I talk about is Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I talk about it in the book as well, but the Bible says, you know, Paul says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. And what he's talking about is the pattern, the, the, the paradigms, the cultural norms. And as a believer, just because you get saved, those cultural norms don't change on them, their own. 
And so we've got to address, and here's what a lot of people don't even realize. You know, the Apostle Paul wrote uh, just right at the, about half the New Testament. So we get to see his inner dialogue. You know, he's very candid. He's talking, he's sharing his heart. Anytime you read someone's writing, you can always tell the depth of healing and health that they experience. So we see something's changed in him because we know he was a persecutor of Christians. He hated the way. And yet now we find him writing God's story to humanity in a way that is very healthy, whole, and transformative, not only to the people he's he's writing to, but himself. But what they don't know is most people, and I didn't even realize this until I began to study it out, when Paul was converted on the road of Damascus, he actually immediate went, immediately went to the backside of the Arabian desert for three years. And we know Jesus spoke to him. He talks about it in his writings. So that Jesus himself is changing what? Paul's paradigms. That's why so many times Jesus would say, you have heard it said, da, 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 but I say. So he's flipping the script. He's changing paradigms and patterns of thought. And then most people don't know, but Paul didn't go on his first missionary journey till 14 years after his conversion experience. And we get saved. We pray a prayer. We go to church. Maybe we serve, you know, and we wonder why I am still struggling with some of the old patterns or habits and thoughts and lifestyle. It's because it's a lifetime of transformation. You are saved in a moment, but it takes a lifetime of changing the old pattern, the old habit of thought. And it has to be intentional. Once a week on a Sunday morning to hear a message is not going to change your paradigm. It is a constant washing of the word in your mind, in your heart, changing you from the inside out. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this interview, I want to invite you to a special challenge I created just for you. I firmly believe that you have access to an unfair advantage that God makes available to disciples. However, many men never learn how to walk in the power that's available to them. This is a free 11-day email challenge. I want you to sign up for it. There's no cost to you. You can join at accessyouradvantage.com or click the link below. Now, back to the interview. Paul, 14 years. David, I believe 17 years from the time he's called to taking the throne. Moses, 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in the desert and then 40 years in the wilderness. Um, Jesus, 30 years for three years. So this process uh, that God puts men through is not all, well, let's just say this. There, there's a preparation period that's happening in this process. And within that preparation period, there is some seasons of pain or frustration or waiting. So back to that original question we started with a while ago, I'm getting back to it now. Um, how do we recognize the pain that I'm feeling if it's part of the process that I'm in because God has me in a place and I need to be submitted and I'm learning to you know, die to my flesh, I'm carrying my cross, there's some conformity happening there. Or if it's a different type of pain where I, I feel motivated to leave, because I think that's the, that's the secret we need to understand of how to walk with God so we don't leave his process and depart for something that we want when he said, hey, th- you were in a test and I didn't want you to leave that yet. Because we'll, we'll retake the test again anyway, if that's 100%. the case. So yeah. Yeah. Well, the, you know, again, that's a great question. So the, I'm going to say two things. One is going to, um, so, so let me just say it like this. The, God is always working 
for our good, the character, the building, the changing, the transformation. The challenge is, how do you know? So I wish I could just say, this is how you know. But I, I think there's really just a couple, a couple of ways. Number one, it's only through an authentic and real relationship with God that when you're truly seeking Him, and here's, here's how I put it in my life, what has kept me is I'm an assignment guy. So I've got great passion, great vision, great dreams, but I don't leave my assignment before it's time. So in other words, I don't start, start peering for next until I'm faithful in the now. See, people start looking for next. Well, you're miserable now because you're not even in now. You're in the future. No, no, I can see the future, but I'm in the now. And I'm going to be faithful. And I like to say, head down, butt up. I am just grinding, God. I'm not moving. Because here's the problem. People will try to move you. Oh, you ought to pastor a church. You'd be a great pastor. Oh, you ought to start your own business. Well, all of those things feed your ego. That's awesome. That's what you want to hear, especially if it's from people you respect. But listen, I'm not serving people that I respect. The people that can tell me it's time to move are the people that are in authority over my life. There's a lot of people I respect. But how many times they don't know the ins and outs. Now, my pastor does. The people that my counselor does, my wife does. So for me to move a season, I need agreement with those that are walking intimately in my life. And I need a yes from all of them in the fact that, hey, I feel like this is God. What do you think? Yes. My wife says that. Awesome. My pastor says that. Awesome. My counselor says that. Awesome. Now I'm like, okay, hey, maybe this is something that God is doing in my life. And, and that's the way I always operate, just because if, if you don't live a life—so here's what I always say, especially to a, a visionary leader, someone who is a go-getter like you and I, who can tell you no and you'll listen? And if that person is not in the decisions of your life, then you're leading yourself. And the Bible, Jeremiah says that a heart is deceitful above all things. It's wicked. We, God is constantly exposing hidden motives and agendas. And so I need someone that can see clearly into my life and help lead my life without an agenda. And, just, and that's how I've kept myself safe. And the, there's been one time when I didn't do that, and man, I got into trouble. I thought I saw clearly, but I clearly did not. And it's because I didn't, you know, so... Yeah. So in that situation, um, you don't have to give us the details of it, but was it that you didn't get advice from your specific counselors and seek that wisdom, or did you get the wrong advice from someone? I Well, a little bit of both. So I, it started with wisdom from the world. And then the second thing is the assumption of well, this is what's best without getting the, out, the, the, the other advice of the person that's in my authority. And, and then when I found I'm like, oh, why didn't I? And it's like, well, because I just assumed that was a good idea because this very knowledgeable person who leads in that industry, and, and I just think, again, it taught me a lesson of, look, just bring that wisdom to those that lead you, and then let's make a decision out in the open. So, but, you know, thank God for U-turns, right? And I, I think this is a big issue right now with especially ambitious men, because um, we want to run right after it, right? If we, if we feel we have an idea, there's an innovative idea, there's a business idea, there's something we think we're supposed to do. We just want to run and like ask questions later. And part of that comes from, you know, it's our drive within us, but I also feel the danger 
of all the voices that are available right now is that, and I want you to give me your perspective on this. Are we listening to too many voices? I just heard you say you have some gates and you have some guard, some guardrails in your life where you're specifically listening to people that know you and there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. Uh, but right now we have endless videos, podcasts, books that we can go to. And we also have the comparison thing going on. Like if that guy's doing it, I feel like I should probably do that too. Um, Speak to guys right now that are listening to too many people and just chasing things and ending up in circles just because there's too many voices and they haven't learned how to listen to the voice. Well, first off, let me just say, I, I can understand and relate because I've been that person, you know? So, so I think what, what we're distinguishing here, and correct me if I'm wrong, but we're distinguishing the difference between a mentor and a spiritual authority figure. So mentors, we got lots of mentors. I mean, you mentored me in your book, you know, you're going to mentor our church through your book too, with our guys have already passed it along. And so that's a mentor. That's a voice. That's someone speaking into me. Authority is the one that has the ability to say no. That's where my fear or concern for men is, who in your life can tell you no? And if the answer is no one, and not just tell you no, but say, no, I don't think you ought to do that. And you say, okay, I won't do it. Are you asking, are you saying never? Are you just saying timing? If you don't have that person, then I'm concerned that you're going to eventually get off the, the wrong, into the wrong path. And so, but mentors, man, we got lots of mentors. And, and I would just say in a day and age where social media... Uh, connects us to the world. Isn't it interesting that we're never been more connected and yet never been more isolated and alone? And I, I would just say, get your eyes off of people around you. And w- here's here's where the win has come in my life. I am not judging my success based on what others are doing. I'm judging my success on my personal best. God, where do you want me? Did I give my 100%? Because here's where the deception comes in. My job and my responsibility is the results. No, that's wrong. No, my responsibility is the input. God's responsibility is the result. So as long as I'm giving 100% to whatever it is that God asked me to do, then God is ultimately responsible for what happens. Now, do we want great results? Absolutely. I didn't, I'm not doing this to not make an impact. But we got to be real careful because then even if you don't hit that impact, if you don't reach that goal, you'll feel like a failure. But the truth is God may have something different or, and you and I have both probably seen this. I know I've seen it. I'm sure you have. God is holding success back because he's still building my character. And at the right time, at the right moment, I'm going to shoot up like a bamboo, a Chinese bamboo tree, you know, out of nowhere, five years, been digging deep roots and in a matter of weeks, spring up 90 feet high, you know, um, but got to hold back success because he doesn't want it to destroy us. That's powerful. And that's the process. That's what we just talked about with those years of waiting. You're putting in a firm foundation. And I believe that he's more concerned about our conformity to the image of Christ than anything else. Yes. 100%. More than more than where he's going to place this next. We have to get that part right. That's right. Um, Thank you for sharing that. We talked about renewing your mind and you know how we how we heal and how we walk this out every day as a disciple. Um, what I love about your book is you have chapters devoted to this, which I, I think we need more of this discussion is the responsibility of a disciple to conform. The the two two themes, the responsibility and the choice. Because again, we do have 
it's easy within Christianity, based on your upbringing, the stream of Christianity you've been a part of. We have a lot of people that are passive, that are just like, hey, if God's going to do it, he'll do it. You know, whatever he wants to happen will happen. And it can be really a passive attitude, but you're stressing the importance of our choices and also our personal responsibility in the equation. Well, I think that it's, it really can't be passive. The only way it could be passive is, is we talk about a fan club. So we can have Christian fan clubs, but you can't be a follower and be passive. You know, there has to be full engagement. That's the difference between disciples who really follow Jesus and consumers who are just showing up as fans. And so, and that's where Jesus talks, you know, Revelation, he's going to separate the goats and the sheep. Like, it's like you can, here's the challenge with Christianity. If you're not truly a follower, you'll do it as long as it serves your purpose and fits your life. But the moment it doesn't, you're going to go down a different path. Why? Because you were never a sheep. You were never truly a follower. It was our identity. And as Americans, we found our identity in Christianity, but now it's not convenient. And so that's what we have to really be careful of. And my great mission and passion, you know, for the latter part of my ministry and life here, I want to raise up followers. Think about Jesus's invitation. He didn't say just show up on a Sunday morning. He didn't say, you know, go and uh, hang out with other Christians, listen to Christian music. He said, follow me. And what's following me? Pick up your cross and die. How often? Daily. And now cross is a symbol of, of, you know, it's like cool. Everybody wears a cross necklace. Back then, Christians would have understood if I'm going to follow that man, that means I'm going to die one of the most gruesome, painful horrible uh, deaths possible, maybe not physically, but there is going to be what we call suffering. And that is a word that Christians and Americans, it's out of the Christian. Nobody wants to suffer, but yet why do we suffer? Because we don't act like the world. We don't talk like the world. And the very things that in the past would have brought some sense of happiness no longer do. So it's crazy. You're in this in-between, between I'm a new creation now Jesus is the only place I can get true joy, but to follow him means discipline, focus. You know, it's, it's a little bit of the ostracizing and even isolation from the people, not because we want to, but they begin to put a distance between us. And so life is a little painful, but here's the beauty of it. We get eternal life with Christ. We get a life of impact and God is displayed through a people that accurately and fully represent him on earth. That's the real, I'm convinced people don't reject Christianity. They reject what they're seeing as Christianity. Uh, when you meet Christ, I don't know about you, uh, man, I write about it in the book, but when God showed up in my life, man, it was just an all-consuming love. When I met God, there was no way to say no, you know? And I just think that's our job is to bring people the true representation of who God is and let them experience God for themselves. What an awesome description of being a disciple, Jim. I love it. I love your DNA. I love the message. That was really powerful. And guys, rewind the podcast and listen to that again, because that's a description of what it truly looks like to follow Jesus. I'm just really thankful you shared that. You have something really powerful in your book where you talk about not settling. And I think it's a perfect seg segue right into this because we're talking about not being passive. So that means we're progressive. We're conforming. We're embracing the journey. 
And you have this phenomenal illustration. And this is what I love about the book is you give the the biblical illustration and you give like a real life antidote that um, really came alive for me. You talked about your trailer and how the the tires blew out and, you know, you, you looked, you found, you know, the reason was it was, you know, basically dry rotted, right? Because it was sitting in one spot for so long. And then I'm going to allow you to share this, but you tell this really powerful story. Again, it's like one or two verses that we could easily read over, but it's about Abraham and how he stopped. So share that. That was incredible. Yeah. Well, his father and Abraham were actually called out of the land of Ur into the land of Canaan, the promised land. And they ended up stopping in Haran, which is like a stop into uh, the path or the journey, but it's not the full destination. And what I write about in the book, which there's no way for us to know because of course, we were not there, so all we can do is put our own thoughts in it. But as I read the Bible, I love to just ponder, why would Abraham's dad, who originally was going to where Abraham goes, the land of promise, Canaan, why did he get stuck in Haran? Well, you know, and I just talk about a couple of, of ideas. Number one, we get stuck in a place of pain. Haran was the name of the son of Abraham's father who passed away. And so he's in a city that bears the name of a son that he actually buried. And so we find ourselves, and I talk about, we get stuck in a place of pain. That, that, that there are times when painful things happen, and we alluded to it earlier, trauma. And so that, that trauma begins to sabotage our life. And so we just get stuck. Because think about pain. What does pain cause you to do? It causes you to freeze, causes you to pause, causes you to not take steps forward. And so you get stuck in a day in a pain. And the second thing is, and this is what I thought was even more fascinating, I felt as I was reading it, was we get stuck in a place of comfort. So in other words, the journey, I believe it was 600 miles they would have traveled. Um, and so they're traveling. You can imagine he's an old man. The roads are full of robbers and people that will hurt you and steal and rob from you. They're in a place. And in that city, uh, they would have been idol worshipers. Well, Abraham's dad, it seems to indicate through historians, Josephus, that his dad was actually an idol maker. And so he's in a place that's familiar, probably able to make money. So he's not at the place of promise, but where he's at is better than where he was. And I don't know about you, but the older I get, where I am today is not the future that I dreamed of, but it's a heck of a lot better than the past that I came from. And if we're not careful, we will begin to settle in our life in a place that God never intended for us to settle in. And so that's the cautionary tale of, man, I don't want to settle. I don't want to just passively go through life and living on autopilot. There was a study that was done by Marks and Spencer, 3,000 people surveyed. 96% of the people surveyed said they were living life on autopilot, just existing. Think about that. I'm sitting in the driver's seat of a car, and yet the car is driving itself, and I'm merely a passenger watching the world go by. That's how people are living. And I think it's a place of comfort. It's not where I'm supposed to be, but it's a whole lot better than where I was. We have we have a lot of guys that are in that place right now where you're just settling. I got a good life, right? And if you're living in America right now, you have a good life regardless of where you are because we have so much, so much comfort around us. So we have to always self-examine and ask that question. So Jim, you provide the the process within the book, which is you walked us through it earlier. Um can I ask you if unstuck, becoming unstuck, and becoming unstoppable, is that a two-part process? 
Or is it when you're unstuck, you're unstoppable? Or could you be unstuck in some areas, but you still haven't fully stepped in? 100%. Yeah, well, that you've got it right there. It, it really is a two-part process. The first part is just get unstuck. And I think, you know, I talk about it in the book. I think we get stuck primarily because of our mindset. I talk about a vacation mentality. We go into a situation, we relax our values, our disciplines, our standards. And so then we get stuck because we're not doing what we used to do. Uh, so it's a thought process. It's a mentality. I think we get stuck in a place of pain, comfort. There's a couple of other things we talk about. So it's identifying, let me get unstuck. But the part that I really hammer on is the last portion. To become unstoppable, you really have to know your identity in Christ. You really have to know your purpose, what your assignment is today. You have to have a vision for where God wants you. And, and if I'm talking to business guys, like I know that I am, we, we can miss it and say, well, I got a vision for my company. No, that's just one area. Do you have a vision for your marriage? Do you have a vision for your family? Do you have a vision for your health, your finances, your spiritual life? And so those are areas where you get stuck. So you got to have a vision for every area of your life. And a vision is this, it's an image. It's a picture. So God, my marriage, maybe right now you're listening, you're saying my marriage isn't doing well, we're struggling. Well, do, can you see beyond your day of pain? Do you have a vision for what a healthy life-giving marriage looks like? Because what you focus on is what you produce. You always bring into reality the image that you seek. And you can't see anything but the pain now. You're going to keep subconsciously reproducing the pain. So you got to get an image and a vision for where God wants you to go. And then, of course, the subconscious paradigm, the sabotage that happens within. And with that, to become unstoppable, you've got to identify what are some sabotaging paradigms that are subconscious that are happening and then change them. How do you change them? Replace the lie with the truth of God's word. Yeah, That's how so you become cool. unstoppable. Come on. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> the book is amazing. Guys, you got to grab this. I love what you Thank did you. with the QR codes. Um, I scanned one today and I'm like, oh, wow, it's a whole workbook that goes along with this and uh, really incredibly practical. So, I mean, we can read a book, then we can put it back and say that was good and then we can forget it. But if you do the exercises, I'm guaranteeing you that you're going to get something out of this where you can start to really get some traction moving forward. So yeah. I, I love what you did with this. Thank you, Josh. Yeah. As we, as we wind down, we're probably gonna have to do a part two and have you back at some point because I want to get into your story and I want to yeah. talk about, you know, you're, you're leading a church right now. You're still a business guy. And I know there's a lot to unpack there in terms of how you can walk through your journey, your calling, you know, how you find vision or found vision in your life and are still walking that out. Um, but leave us with the last, uh, leave us with your last message to the guys listening, and then just close us out with where we can connect with you and we'll drop all the links below. hundred percent. Well, if, if you're here and you're listening right now, what I would do is I'd identify the one area where you feel the most stuck. Sometimes it could be very overwhelming if there's a whole lot of areas or you're like, where do I start? What's the one area that if you made, uh, if you were to get unstuck in would make the greatest impact? Is it your marriage, your finances, your physical health, spiritual life, emotional health, wh whatever area, career, then find that area and then let's begin to focus on that. And so find out, and even through the book, like what is it that's causing me to get stuck and then go through the process. It's like you said, it's really, what's the identity of my identity? What's my purpose? What's the vision? And, and that's what I would do. I'd just do one area at a time and then allow that uh, to help your life start moving forward. And then I always go through the, the whole mantra of this. I just want to get 1% better. 
How can I just continue to take a step forward and think about throughout 365 days in a year, if I could just get better every day, focusing on this one area, your life will get unstuck. And the reality that you're in right now is not all there is to your life. It's just all that you can see. So begin to get God's perspective so that your life can move forward and begin to be the way God designed for it to be. Hey, and if you want to get the book, you can go to jimkiles.com. Would love for you to do that. Uh, it's J-I-M-N. Kyle's, K-Y-L-E-S dot com, or you can go to Amazon. Amazon, um, super excited. We've got the Kindle version, the Audible version, of course, the paperback version. So, so grateful, Josh. Just want to say to you and all your listeners, thank you for bringing me on. What a privilege. I love what you're doing. I'm honored to partner and co-labor with you again. Uh, your book rocks. If you don't have Josh's book, I really want to encourage you. I not only bought a book, but I bought it for all the men in my life. It is such a good playbook for all men. Thank you for what you do, Josh. Wow. I'm I'm totally honored. So honored that you came on and thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. Guys, until the next episode, let's raise the standard. Have you heard about the unfair advantage challenge? If you are a Christian man, I believe you have access to an unfair advantage, but many men never access or unlock the full potential of what God makes available to them. That's why I created the free unfair advantage challenge. It's totally free. Sign up in the link below. You can access 11 days of emails and training so you can reach your full potential, be the man that God created you to be and do what he created you to do. I also want to thank you for listening to the Raising the Standard podcast. If you have a friend that you know needs to hear this, please forward them the episode. And I would be completely honored if you would leave us a review. In fact, when you leave the review, tell me a topic that you would like me to address or cover on a future episode. I read those reviews. I'm looking forward to seeing what you want me to discuss. And until the next time, let's get after it.